Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm, of course, your host with the most, Phil Better, and today's guest is an accomplished film and stage performer who has been acting in films and television since he was six years old. Ladies and gentlemen, he's been in television longer than I probably have been alive. Um, I'm get, I'm joking. He he's probably younger than I. But he's been in it since his father passed away suddenly from a motor vehicle accident, which we're going to touch on. But he's appeared in productions such as Freddy versus Jason, one of my favorite Freddy movies, Door to Door, Carrie, and the musical Ragtime. Our guest is a passionate about helping others confidently take the stage and impact an audience with their stories. He's currently the managing director of Total Buy-In and the author of the number one best-selling book, The Power to Sleep Naked. Oh, sorry, speak naked, not sleep naked, because if you're sleeping naked, well, we already know the power in that. Um, <laughs> today, he works with executives and CEOs, helping them show up powerfully behind the mic to gain exposure, gain the exposure they need. He's also a veteran podcast guest with over 350 appearances. So this is technically 351, we're going to say, on episodes with topics ranging from leadership, safety, and to overcoming adversity. He has a distinct and direct style. Today's guest is emerging as one of North America's sought-after leaders in the field of public speaking for professional and personal development. Please, ladies and gentlemen, give him a big invest in yourself. Welcome to Taylor Foley. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my my joy and my pleasure, Phil. And I think personally, uh, we should develop a spin-off podcast for you called The Better Podcast with Phil Better. I think so. Speaking of that, I actually have four podcasts. I'm a, I'm a podcast uh, addict. I have one called The Phil Better Show. Yeah, but the better podcast. I'm telling you, it's I'm I'm going to invest in it as I invest in myself. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, that's now I have my palms itchy, my palms scratchy here. I'm, it, it's a money maker already. If you don't know, the left hand is itchy. It's money making time. So yes, uh, the better podcast with Phil. Better. I love it. It's yeah. done. Um, TM before this episode comes out, I'm going to have that all set up for us. But Tyler, this is not about me. This is about you. Please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, I don't, I mean, they, you did such a wonderful job pointing out the, the career highlights that the only thing really left for me to say is I'm a father, a husband, a son, a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, Seeker of warm beaches, lover of fine chocolate, in that order. I like the the seeker of warm beaches and lover of fine chocolate because if you don't like fine the finer things in life, like good chocolate, what's wrong yeah. with you? Um, how did you get? So you've been in, you've been an actor. Mm -hmm. Are you, I'm guessing you're you're still an actor, correct? Well, yeah, because once a performer, always yeah. a performer. It's kind of like the mob. You try to leave, but it just <laughs> sucks you back in um what made you decide to go from being uh, an actor being able to be whoever you want every other day of your life to transitioning into helping executives people learn to overcome 
you know, imposter syndrome, being able to take the stage and be present themselves in a confident manner because nearly everyone has stage fright. So how, how what made you decide to go from, hey, I'm going to entertain people to I'm going to educate these people? Because I think uh, a good component of any good education is entertainment. And I think it's, you know, the gift that I was given. So I want to use my powers for good instead of evil. <laughs> Are you saying the entertainment and- industry is evil? Uh, it can be, can be, uh, it can be incredibly rewarding too. Um, no, I got, you know, I started out on stage when I was six years old and I've been, I was acting professionally at seven. So when I was, you know, in my mid twenties, I'd had a career for 20 years. Like that's a, it's a long time to be doing a thing. And I'd become very complacent, first of all, with the craft. Um, I still remember the day that I knew that I needed to retire which is a weird uh, moment of realization for somebody who is 25. <laughs> when you're like, you know, I think I've given this a good go. <laughs> Walk off into the sunset. You know? Yeah. Just, 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 I, but I was, I had just done an audition um, for a, a show and it was just a day player. Like it was a super small role. In fact, it didn't even have any lines, but it was going, it was uh, considered an actor role because of the interaction and, you know, weird union rules but i mean for all intents and purposes it was uh a background role like i was an extra and so i'd gone and i'd auditioned for it and i was driving um to my house so at the time i was living in vancouver which is the canadian version of hollywood it's our hollywood north and it's the epicenter of film for canada and i had moved from vancouver to a small town on interior bc right in the middle of the mountains called penticton and if anybody's ever been to like uh, um, like Bend, Oregon or Redmond, Oregon, it's very similar. It's about at the same distance in from the coast, you know, three or four hours in, but just beautiful, like, you know, pristine mountains, pristine lakes and significantly more affordable than living on the coast. And as an actor, that's an important thing. It was, you know, for the price of one month's rent in Vancouver, I could rent for three months in Penticton. And so the, the math made sense, even commuting back and forth. I had a very uh, fuel efficient car. I, I drove a Mazda Presidia hatchback and, uh, you know, it was, it was good. And I got to do the mountain drive with all the snacks and it was kind of sporty and racy, but also kind of girly. So I got to like whip that thing up and down. It was, it was good times. And I was, I was driving um, back from the audition and there is a town called Hope, B.C., and it's it's right after that is the Hope Princeton Highway, and you go through a provincial park called Manning Park, and there is no cell service for about forty five minutes in that. And my agent phoned. There's like four or five exits for Hope, and my agent phoned me at exit one. And when you get to exit five, there is no turning back, and there's no cell service, and you have to commit to one way or the other because there's no turnaround for about a half an hour either. Oh. So I, I get this phone call and she's like, Hey, you got a call back. I'm like, great. When is it now? Typically when you get a call back for a show, it's like two days from now, a week from now. I'm like, great. When is it? She's like, they want to see you in about an hour. I'm two hours from the studio. And I'm like, I, I won't be able to make it back. I'm sorry, Carmela. It's just, it's not going to happen. And she was like, Tyler, this is a big opportunity. And if you don't take this, I may have to drop you as a client. And that's like when your mom's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just really disappointed. You're like, 
So I was like, I was like, okay, but I'm in hope right now. So I'm going to have to turn around, tell him I'm going to be late. She's like, okay. So I flip around. I book the role. So we do the callback. I book the role. There was uh, 10 of us in the callback and there were five of us who were going to get it. And I remember, I know the guys who didn't get it. And I remember thinking as I was getting back in my car going, I better book that role because this is a waste of my time. You know, I'm three hours behind now. I could have been in Penticton. I want to play hockey tonight. Now I can't even make my game. You sound like a Canadian, by the way, just saying. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And (laughs) I'm a hockey bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I am. I am full Canadian. I I'm sure by the end of the episode, we get at least two or three A's out of me. I promise. You got the first one. So we're good. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm looking at these other guys. And when I did get the phone call, from my agent she's like congratulations you booked it and you know we're gonna get you double principal scale so in acting you're paid on on different rates as an actor five lines or less you get this rate principal is five to ten lines you get this rate it's a bigger rate and then double scale means you get two times the rate so i'm in a category higher than i should be and in reality uh two categories higher because it's really just an extra role there's no lines plus i'm getting double scale so i'm making like four times more than what I should for this role. And I didn't want to go. And at that point I was like, okay, there are other people who are hungry for this Tyler and you are taking those opportunities away from them and they are struggling and they're living in Vancouver. So their rent is high. They needed this gig and you just snagged it from them time to move on. And so that's what I did. I see. And what was it about helping people like get over the fear of speaking, present themselves, or like you say, speak naked. Um, what, what was it about that, that drew you in? Well, first of all, it's, I recognized all of the opportunities that have just landed in my lap because I'm perceived as a leader strictly because I can open my mouth and sound articulate. I have not deserved three quarters of the opportunities that have been presented to me, honestly. And and there's a lot of privilege that goes with that. There's a lot of, uh, um, you know, a lot of gifts that I've been given, but the big one was being able to be comfortable on stage and speak in front of people from a young age. I learned to speak before I learned that I was supposed to be afraid of speaking to people because it's a learned behavior. We don't, we don't, wake up going, ah, people are terrifying. In fact, as infants, we're like, we need people bring more of them. Right. And you have that bond with your mom and then you have the bond with the family and and you, you, you rely on people and you learn fears. And uh, so I was lucky that I got to do this and I could see the people who definitely deserved opportunities, but were getting overlooked because they couldn't speak up or more specifically, wouldn't speak up. We all have the ability to speak up if motivated. And, and I wanted to, I wanted to help, you know, I looked at people like my mom, you know, my mom was a big influence because she, uh, for a very long period of her life was very diminished in her career and her role. She was just an admin. I were, Oh, I remember hearing that she's just an admin. I'm like, do you know, how much of a superhero my mother is. She has raised two children, one of them a trained actor, <laughs> by herself for years. And I turned out, I didn't, you know, I didn't 
get addicted to drugs. I didn't set things on fire. I don't have a huge rap sheet, you know? So like kudos to my mom for keeping me in line and in check and raising, you know, I'm the, I'm the disappointment in the family and I, <laughs> I am a successful business owner, entrepreneur, public speaker, and best-selling author. My sister's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. depends so on how you mom, look at the success <laughs> right my mom did good but she was just an admin and her opinion she could see like she ran the company because she was the one that was booking appointments and making things and, and greasing the wheels so that this business stayed afloat and alive but she was just an admin and i was like no my mom deserves a voice. My sister deserves a voice. My wife deserves a voice. My child, my daughter, who is seven years old right now, deserves a voice. And I dedicated myself to making sure that those people were heard. I love it. Um, I want to, on speaking with that, because you're so passionate about it, and I love it. I want to hear about a when that you were able to present a client or a, a person that you helped that really cemented about what you're doing. Because you, you, you're you're thoroughly passionate about helping people live, be, be more than what they, the little box. Cause I, I agree. My mom was raised me. I'm a huge mama boy. Like I, I'll proudly admit, like I have both my parents raised me, but I'm a mama's boy, right? Moms usually raise, raise the kids, but she also worked as an admin quote unquote, or an assistant or this. And mm -hmm. I love how you were like, no, I want to tell people more specifically the women that they're more than just the box that we put them in society puts them in so i want to hear about maybe a win that you had that just solidified that you were doing reaching your why like helping these people def redefine what their box is well my favorite one is is uh very early on when i was testing this right because at, at first i you know like the right your left palm gets itchy and you're like, mm. this might be a thing. Uh, my left palm itchy was when I had a whole bunch of people who were consistently coming up to me asking, how do you do that? And what they were asking was, how do I get up and, and be confident and be first of all, energetic and want to talk. Right. And they're like, I, I remember one, the, the best line I ever got was from a safety training program that I did. And the guy came up to me afterwards and he's like, that was really good. These are usually an invitation to a lobotomy. And yet I feel like I learned <laughs> something. <laughs> It's like invitation to a lobotomy and that's horrible. That, yeah, that I've been to a safety two or briefing or two They're They're so much fun. Yeah. And that's that. And that first of all, was what inspired me to create my company. Total buy-in was that attitude because I agree with it. I'm like, and it doesn't need to be that way. It does not need to be that way. But what through total buy-in, when we started training some of these executives to speak, it became very clear and apparent that it wasn't just, a safety focus that I, that there was a, this underserved community that I could actually help beyond safety. And so I, had, I remember putting out a post uh, through just, you know, my Facebook, just amongst my friends. And I'm like, I, I want to start doing this as a training thing. Like, this is a thing that I think I could actually help people with. Is there anybody out there who really, you know, struggles public speaking, who's afraid of public speaking? And I got a ton of messages, a ton. And one of them, uh, was from my friend Amanda and um, she's brilliant like she she is hands down one of the smartest humans I've ever met like her ability to see the world is uh, second to none and on top of it she's a trained uh, clinical psychologist and uh, she she was terrified most people think 
they're afraid of public speaking and they're not. Like the reality is the majority of people who make that statement are actually afraid of public judgment. They're not afraid of public speaking. If they were afraid of public speaking, commerce as we know it would collapse. You'd never be able to order food in a restaurant. But if you've been to a restaurant and ordered food, and if you didn't know your wait staff, not only did you speak in public, but you spoke to a complete stranger and got what you wanted. So this notion that we're afraid to ask for what we want, we're afraid to speak to strangers, and we're afraid to speak in public is null and void. If you've ever been to a restaurant and gotten food delivered to your table, the reality is we're afraid of public judgment. But in her case, legitimate fear of public speaking. Like uh, from a very early age, she had a lot of childhood traumas that, uh, you know, diminished her voice. Um, she had uh, physical flight or uh, fight or flight responses to speaking up and generally feared people and the impact that her voice would have if she spoke in public. So that was the first thing that we needed to overcome. You look like you have a question, so I can. Pause. No, I'm just like, this is a clinical psychologist. Yeah. And like, for me, it's like, well, you're you're supposed to help people and yet you have so i just found it like it's a very interesting like but it just proves that anybody could have this and one-on-one -on -one, she could communicate with people she has unbelievable empathy and it was one of the things that makes her so good at her job is that she can instantly connect with people and 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 work one-on-one -on -one. but she couldn't do it in front of groups and she had this genius idea so you got to remember this is back in like 2015 2016 and she was like there are people who need my help that i can't get to because of geographical limitations and for years clinical psychologists were drilled that they they had to do their therapy one-on-one -on -one. you needed to have the person in the room you needed to create the safe environment and she kept thinking to herself, what is safer than your own home? Like you're asking some people who have phobias of going outside to come outside to get help to then go back outside. Like people may not, they're, they're most comfortable in their home. Why can't I go help them in their home? And do I need to physically go there? Like there's technology that's out there that would allow me to communicate with these people. And she had this idea and she needed seed money. But every time she was presented with an opportunity to go talk to venture capitalists, because there was a lot of people who were keenly interested in this idea and she's brilliant. So she can write these incredible prospectuses that take very complex ideas and distill them down simply. And she can present this information in a beautiful way written, but don't make her say it in front of people. And so there was these people and they'd be like, well, come in for a meeting. And then she'd ditch the meeting. She just wouldn't go. Or they'd be like, can you present to the board? And she would get up and then, then she'd try to get somebody else to speak on her behalf. And then they would not say the things the right way. And then the, it wouldn't, she wouldn't get the funding. And it was just, it was handicapping her in a horrible, horrible way. So she's like, if you can help me get over this, then I, you know, I will be your biggest testimony and I will, I will go and I will tell everybody. And so I said, okay, let's do it because, you know, Dr. Amanda, you will be a great recommendation for me. And so we had to dig deep into it. And she was an unbelievable hard client because I am not a trained psychologist. She is a trained psychologist. I know my mind ninja techniques because I know that they work, but I don't know the science behind it. She knows the science behind it. And then she'd be trying to correct me. She'd be like, well, that's not really how it is. And I'm like, Whoa, stop sciencing me and just go with the faith right now. And, uh, and eventually we worked on it. And uh, I remember my first challenge for her. I'm like, you know, it was just, just after they'd introduced Facebook lives. And I'm like, go and do a live. She's like, what if people watch? I'm like, don't worry, nobody watches lives. And I did it for her. I'm like, you wait a hold on a second. 
So I got off the phone. I went, I go out, watch your computer. And I went on a live and I'm like, you watch how many people beyond you and me are watching this thing. So we watched the little live ticker. It was her, me, and my mom hopped on for a half a second and then hopped off. Cause you're like, see. Oh, it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't like, see, even my mom won't watch me ramble on a live. You'll be fine. So she went on and she did a live. I think like three people watched it and she just kind of did a thing and she just read it. But there are a whole bunch of people who watched it afterwards. And I'm like, see, you had a hundred people watch you. It's like, no, I didn't. There was only three. I'm like, no, but a hundred people watched you. And that's what it's like public speaking. You're not talking to a hundred people. You're talking to one person, communicate to one person and the rest will kind of follow along with the message, but they'll view it from the background. I said, the audience, you know, and I said, how many, how much hate mail did you get? How many haters did you get? How many trolls came on that? She's like, none. I'm like, exactly. The audience is on your side. The audience is, is there for you. So we worked on it. We worked on it, worked on it. Anyway, she ends up pitching. She gets into this pitch meeting. She finally gets a couple into a room of 20 venture capitalists. They all bite. They all want in on, on this project. And she's able to articulate it. And she, she speaks it a few more times and she gets the seed funding that she needs. Fast forward three years later, she's grown what was a very good practice for her, earning a comfortable low a six modest, figures. A modest like, company that anybody would be happy with. Right. But, and you got to remember, she's a sole practitioner. So yeah, like, so even like better making six figures as a sole practitioner, good job, grows it to, uh, oh, makes her first million in 18 months, grows it to, uh, eight figures very rapidly. There are seven figures very rapidly after that. Right. So she's in the tens of millions of dollars within three years, all because she overcame this fear of public speaking. Now, you got to remember what our timeline is now. Now we're getting into 2019. She has an established virtual practice that is that is dedicated to helping people's mental health remotely with a dedicate with with a specific focus on remote communities in Canada. So she's trying to uh, so she charges for her service here, but then a percentage of that money goes to pay for her pool now of practitioners to then practice for free for these remote communities and then 2020 hits <laughs> everybody needs virtual therapy and she's the forefront she's the leader she's who everybody comes and turns to for the model and her practice just explodes to the point where she's she is actually retired now she decided that she wanted to become a mom later in life so she went and she's she's now a mom and the practice is running on its own she does nothing with it and her and her wife are you know a happy parenting couple now living life Jesus. on the island doing very little so i have to say that if that's not the greatest testimony for what you can do nothing's going to sell your service like like she said i will be your greatest testimony it is true she is your greatest testimony because you could took someone who could not even who actually knows the science behind her fear could not fix the fear because of the traumas and all that. And even though she's clinically trained how to do it, invested in you, invested in herself, and was able to retire. <laughs> retire. So she started with you, you said like 2015 about? Yeah, about 2015, 2016. Let's say, okay, we'll go, we'll we'll be we'll be conservative, say 2016. In nearly four years, four to five years, she was able to retire after getting rid of that is that is insane my good sir that is the best like like you said it's the best it's oh, the yeah. perfect story and to be fair 
to be fair, the majority of that is because she's an incredible human being. It was yeah. very smart. Um, but it was the one thing, right? It, it's always the one thing. The, the little domino. Yeah, it, it was the one thing that needed to tip. And once that domino collapsed, the rest of it just cascaded because she uh, was invested in her mission, because she was invested in in a belief in a in her product, in her service. She knew that. And v- unlike my first couple of companies, she ha- was solving a problem that was there, mm-hmm. that was there that she could see and she was providing a solution for it. And so she just needed to, you know, overcome this one little thing. And then as soon as she did that, the world opened up. Um, we, we are coming tight on time here, but you're going to come back. I'm going to have you again because it's an amazing uh, having you on. Um, I do want a tip, a tip for someone, let's say overcoming that fear of social adjustment. I know you said just do a live. No one's going to watch. And it's an incredible true. Like I've done lives where no one shows up, but I gave my all. And then I saw like 20, 30, 40, 100 uh, people started watching it afterwards. So apart from just going live and getting over that fear of social judgment or fear of social judgment, do you have another tip for the audience to uh, just start? Yeah. So first of all, your story matters and uh, you don't know who needs to hear it until you tell it. So that was, that's my first one is just start speaking your story because you have no idea the ripple effect that it could have. I mean, you look at Amanda's case where she did, uh, you know, one thing and I had a very small part in that, but now she's helping literally hundreds of thousands of people on an annual basis, uh, get the help that they need. But it, it took her saying, this is a thing, right? So you never know the impact that your story could have until you tell your story. And most people think that they don't have a story to tell. So if they want a quick tip to find their story, it's going to require about two minutes of quick work on a sketch pad and uh, some quick mental math. So what I want you to do is I want you to take your age, however old you are, and round to the nearest five, right? Simple math that we learned this in grade two. So now that you've rounded to the nearest five, I want you to take that number and divide by five. And whatever that number is will be the, the, you will have five even time periods of your life, your epochs in your life. And I know there's going to be some A types in there who are like, no, 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 but that's not exact. I am 43 years old and 43 divided by five is 9.2 or 8.76, right? Whatever. Like I get that. Okay. So if you want, if you're that person and you're like, no, it needs to be exact. I need to account for every year and no more, no less. If you had to round up, I want you to take whatever you rounded up by, and it was only one or two, and deduct that from your last time period. If you had to round down, again, it was only one or two, add that to your first time period, because you probably don't remember the first 12 to 24 months of your life, and everything that's happened in the last time period is probably pretty fresh for you. So you can give yourself some buffer those ways and be exact. But for the rest of us who are okay with a little bit of (laughs) loosey-goosey math, just round, divide by five, and take those even time periods. For me, if I do it, I'm 43, round up to 45, divide by five gives me five even time periods of nine years. Now I want you to write down each one of those time periods, right? So for me, zero to nine, and then uh, 10 to 18, 19 to 27, 28 to 35, 36 to 45. And those are your time periods. Now I want you to look at those time periods and for each one, look at that time, the first time period and say, what is my most significant memory? And it could be um, 
a color, could be a scent, could be a smell, could be a sound, could be a vivid picture, or it could be a hazy remembrance, but it's the first thing that springs to your mind. You don't get more than 20 seconds per time period. So you look at your first one. What's my first memory, my most significant? What's the one that pops to mind right away for that first time period, and the second time period, and the third time period, and the fourth time period, and the fifth time period? Those are the stories of your life. Now, the next exercise will take longer and it will require them to do their thing on their own. But I would ask them, all anybody who's in the audience who's listening to this now, explore why. Why is that memory significant to you? Why has it stuck with you through all of these years? Why is it when you think of you at that time and that age that that's the thing that you focus on? Explore the why of that for a while and then explore the lessons that you've learned. Who were you before? Who were you after? Did you change? Did you not change? What was significant about it? What did you need to know? What were the lessons that you did get from it? What were the lessons you wished you got from it? That informs the story and who needs to hear it. Speak to those people who need to hear that lesson too. And speak from your truth, your experience, because nobody knows your story better than you. And it's through the power of your story that you can communicate effectively to people. Amazing tip. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that now. Just, I used to say, Hey, if you want to find out who you serve, go to who you were five years ago and serve yeah. that person that, or I usually do use it for audience for your podcast. Cause that's who you want to serve. That's who you want to help and inform. So I love that. Cause that helps you generate the story of what yeah. you're going to say. So I think that's brilliant. Um, we are moving to the spark question of the show. This is to, uh, yeah, I Tyler's super happy because he he gave me some little behind the scenes knowledge I didn't know because I said sparking uh, is a create conversation. Uh, stranger is a friend you haven't met yet. He let me know that it was from a Streetcar Desire. I did not know that, so I'm gonna go have to watch that movie now. But the spark question from Seek Discomfort, uh, the merch brand of Yes, there he is. What was something that happened within the last month that made you feel on top of the world? Oh, uh, I, I just, I booked a, a gig. I've been auditioning for a show that's been filming up here for five seasons and I keep auditioning for it and I keep auditioning for it and I keep not getting those roles, but I knew that one would come and I actually auditioned for three roles in the same episode. So I got the <laughs> breakdown three times. I got to audition for the, uh, a non-speaking role for the dad role of, of a family, family in a car dealership. And you didn't speak. You just kind of interacted with, with the, the kid yeah. and wife. Um, and then um, some goofy characters that were making fun of the main lead of the, of the program. And it, again, it was just like a little bit role. And then this kind of meaty, juicy role uh, for the car dealer who is having to tell, trying to convince his boss that they, these family can't afford the vehicle that they want. And the boss is like, no, just give it to him. We'll just trade him their trade in for art for the new vehicle. And he's like, but that's not how commerce it's weird. Anyway, I ended up booking that role nice. and, and, you know, so to audition for three plus to have been auditioning for a show that's been here for five years and you keep going, you keep going, you keep going, you keep not getting it. Um, I even had to master an accent for it. And I actually, I, I nailed it this time. Like everything just kind of aligned. So when I got the call from my agent and she's like, Hey, congratulations you got the role i was like <laughs> it was awesome 
I, I love it. Uh, congratulations on that. I'm looking forward to watching it. And uh, hopefully uh, you can tell us later on what it is so that we can put it on the uh, show notes when it does go live so I can update it. Yeah, yeah. That. Once once I'm outside of my NDA, I'll be. Yeah, <laughs> please let yeah, me know so I can. You. I can update it so people can uh, can uh, go and listen to it. And when it goes live, I'll make sure to yeah. do YouTube t- uh, clips of it as well. Uh, Tyler, we're coming to the end. I'm going to jump off the screen. Let my audience know where they can find you, support you, and find out how they can uh, get over their fear of a, uh, public judgment so that they can start talking and speaking their naked truth. The floor is yours. Well, before I tell you where to go, and, and you can probably see a quick indicator of where the best place to go just from my name, at Sean Tyler Foley, uh, there's probably a .com that goes with that. You are already on Phil's platform, on the Investing Yourself uh, podcast. And if you are a digital entrepreneur who is regularly consuming this content and you enjoy what Phil's putting out before you go and check the show notes or come to my website, you're already on this platform. I would ask that you take a moment and give Phil a five-star review and say, why be specific. What was an episode that, uh, that really touched you? What was maybe some advice that you've received from either Phil or one of the guests? Was it something that I said that stuck with you? Did you, how did this exercise go for you? Did you get something out of it? Be specific in your five-star review. And if you are willing to give a five-star review, if you come to SeanTylerFoley.com, and Sean is spelled that proper Irish way right here. Yeah, SeanTylerFoley.com, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. If you come to SeanTylerFoley.com and tell them that Tyler sent you, uh, I will, as a thank you, for giving Phil a five-star review, give you a free PDF download of my number one best-selling book, The Power to Speak Naked. I will give you access to my Drop the Mic Trainer series, which is five, a seven five-minute videos. So you can consume it in a week and with less than five minutes a day. That will give you actionable tips to make you a better, more confident public speaker. And you get access to my private Facebook group, which is... Uh, endless stages where i go live every tuesday at noon pacific three eastern time and do a live 20 minute training for whatever happens to be the hot topic in the group that day so all of those are my gifts for you if you come to my website but only if you take a moment and give phil a five-star review no five-star review no gifts for you because it helps all of us when you do that it helps you get better content because then phil knows what you're consuming it helps phil because then he knows what you want. It helps him boost his rankings. It helps him with visibility. And if this show is getting more visibility, then I'm getting more visibility. So for you helping all of us in this scenario, my gifts to you are the book, the training course, and access to my private training. But again, only if you're willing to give a five-star review. Tyler, I can't thank you enough for that. That is an amazing gift to not only myself, but to my audience. I'm going to go give myself uh, a five-star review. <laughs> go over and get those gifts because I think it's a genius. And I do want to take a look and read your book. And I do want to support a fellow Canadian. I'm on the, uh, I'm on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, so I can't thank you enough, uh, Tyler. Of course, to my audience, uh, the show notes, leave the review if you, you, you want the free gifts from Tyler. It takes you, what, like three minutes max, five minutes of your time, and you get free gifts. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it was my joy, my pleasure, Phil. And I look forward to our next conversation. Oh. To my audience, as always, uh, I thank you so much for listening and remember to invest in yourself. 